When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Do you ever see a successful woman on your feed or in a magazine and think, wow, it must be nice to have it so easy? Well, think again. Behind that glossy cover or smiling face is a ton of hard work, countless failures, and endless learning experiences. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and I'm here to tell you that success isn't a walk in the park. It takes grit, resilience, and a willingness to take risks. That's why I created Superwoman, a podcast that peels back the varnish and gets into the nitty gritty of what it takes to make it as a woman in today's world. From luminaries and game changers to women you've never heard of but should, this podcast is here to inspire you to take your next leap, no matter how daunting it may seem. We'll explore the sacrifices these women have made, the highs and lows they've experienced, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from some of the most successful women out there, join me on Superwomen. Together, we'll uncover the stories behind the successes and prove that with hard work, determination, and a little bit of luck, anything is possible. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Allie Budd, the president and principal designer at Allie Budd Interiors. I am obsessed with Allie's work and she is celebrated for its expertise in turning houses into beloved homes. She leads a passionate team of artists and interior stylists, all based in Toronto. Her creative influence extends globally. She has been recognized in prestigious publications like Vogue and Art Digest, and she is much sought after. We bonded over children, her incredible work ethic, and how she views interior design through her lens and the world. Take a listen. So let's start at your beginnings. Um, what were you doing before Ali Bud Interiors and what made you want to become an interior designer? Or maybe you fell into it. Maybe it wasn't your goal. No, I mean, I'm not really, it's so crazy. I'm not really a goal oriented person. Isn't that strange? I don't think like this. I like sort of, I think, I don't know. I'm like ADD. I'm like all over the place all the time, but I grew up with really creative parents and I sound so cheesy, but like early on, I would just like as to play, I'd reorganize furniture. I'd like create apartments in my house, in my like bedroom for the dolls. They'd have a bedroom, they'd have a kitchen. Like I'd take boxes, I'd make refrigerators. Like I always just loved space. And I think, you know, growing up in the eighties, of course there were interior designers, but it's not like it's like this coveted role now, you know, like my daughter, we've got girls the same age. um, And she loves playing like Roblox and they design houses. And it's like, you know, designers have turned into sort of superstars and especially since the onset of, of social media, but growing up, that was not 
the case. And I didn't even really know that this could be a job. Um, I did my BA in English thinking that I'd probably go to law school. I knew I wanted, this sounds crazy. I knew I wanted to be successful. Like what that looked like, I didn't exactly know in the moment, but I knew that I wanted to be successful. And I ended up, you know, um, and I've, I've talked about this before, but my father passed away almost 10 years ago. But in the moment he was like, what are you doing? Like, you're not a lawyer. Like, why are you doing this? Right. And, you know, he was like, make a choice, not based out of fear. Like if you could do anything in the world and like take your fear away from it, what would you do? And I went to this. Ten years ago, you weren't you weren't doing this. What were you doing? No, no, I was. This was when I was a kid. Like I was like in university. Okay, okay. I'm just saying it's like one of my memories of my father that's like so relevant to me in my everyday life because I sort of conduct everything, whether it's business or personal. Like, what would you do if fear wasn't a factor? Yeah. And so like that's kind of been and I think that I didn't realize that at the time, but especially since my father's died, that's something I think about all the time. Yes. So I ended up going to design school, worked for great people, some jobs I hated, some jobs I loved. And um ultimately I worked for an incredible woman. Her name's Robin Clark, and we're still friends. And this was like 15 years ago. She taught me so much. And after a few years, I left her and started my own business. Wow. What and my you- first job was like, my family friend was moving into like, here's like the bottom. And then I was like, here, she was moving into a senior's facility and oh I did her room. That's so cute. I mean, right? we all have to start somewhere. I'm some, yes, yes, we do. So we you do. probably made her, her room look really fucking great. She was probably she wasn't happy. She wasn't happy. No, she didn't like, no, she didn't like it. Oh I, <laughs> I could do, I could lie, but no, she didn't like it. And that was like, I was like, I'm, I don't know. I've made a huge mistake. Oh I've like Lord. started a business and did a room in a senior's facility and she's not happy. Oh my gosh. So what gave you the, I, I don't want to say courage, but what made you know, okay, now it's time to start my own business you know, and how did you go about getting clients and getting the word out there? Because again, this wasn't like how it is right now. Which no, is, you guys are superstars. So, I mean, I don't know about that, but I think initially just word of mouth, you know, it's like you sort of get one good job and, you know, you do anything. Like I was literally assembling furniture. My, I brought, like, I remember bringing my my best friend's boyfriend to help me assemble furniture at someone's house. Cause like I, they didn't have the budget for it. And slowly we just started to build um, and build. And I think I probably, the, here's the honest truth. I would have stayed in a good spot, but like not this, but when I was, I mean, God, it's eight years ago now, but I very suddenly found myself getting divorced and I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And I was terrified on how I was going to support myself and how I was going to support them. And I didn't want, I remember I like called my accountant and I was like, do I need to marry for money? Like, <laughs> let's just have this conversation real quick. Oh my and God. He was like, you're not there yet, but you're not far. So I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. Um, And that was like the onset of Instagram. And I knew I was like, 
good at talking to a camera. Like I could do that. And I started like filming our day-to-day life in the office. Stories hadn't even come out yet. And the business started gaining traction. Um, And we started sort of like propelling things forward. I was like laser focused on building and not focused on a goal, but just that I wanted to build in whatever way I could. And that was, I think, really the fire that that started this version of this business for me. So it's pretty incredible to hear, like you hear about social media and influencers, but from an interior design perspective, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear that that helped propel you to the next level and then a TV show. Yeah. I mean, that was like, there's such a big gap in between those, those two things, but Definitely social media. I mean, we're seeing it every day. There's such horrible things about it. Yeah. But there's also such incredible things about it. Yeah. And honestly, it was free. Right. (laughs) So, you know, utilizing something that I could do for free. And this was like even before influencers, like that term didn't even exist in this moment. So, you know, it's really been um, an organic build. And then, you know, getting our first U.S. project happened because of it. I'm like, I had no idea, Rebecca, how I was going to do a job in the U.S. Like, absolutely none. And I fought so hard for that. It was a client in Washington, D.C. We're still that we're still friends. When the show aired, they called me with champagne, like on FaceTime. And we're just like so lovely. But um, I was shitting. Like, I had no idea how I was going to do this. And it got totally fucked up. Um, when we went to deliver, we got stopped at the border and I wasn't allowed to go into the U.S. What? Um, it was a dis- like a disaster moment in my life. And I had to figure out how to set up all of their stuff without actually being there, which was so challenging. Um, but it was a good learning lesson. I now have my E1. I can work wherever I want. Like it's it's totally fine. But it was it was like the best of times and the worst of times that that project, but we we figured it out. We figured it out. So clearly, when you're an interior designer and you have a very distinct vision, it works if it's just you. But you have since expanded mm-hmm. uh, and have people, and so I'm curious, how do you make sure that the people who work with you are executing the Alley Bud stamp? You know. You know, I'm always in awe, like my friends, Nate and Jer have like 30 people working for them. I'm like, how do you ensure that they pick the same thing that you would pick, you know? And how do you control that aesthetic as you get bigger is question number one. It's definitely a learning curve and there's, you know, hits and misses, like anything trying to figure this out. I think hiring the right people is the most important. And hardest. I don't know if you feel It's so hard. But I also like, I, I don't care about rules and I don't care about like my least favorite phrase is like, it's always been done this way. So it's like when I'm hiring, it sounds nuts, but like, I don't care about experience. Right. Like one of the girls that works for me, she's incredible. She opened four restaurants before she started for me. Like that girl can get shit done. Like nobody's business, you know? And I think when it comes to interior design, you can go to school all you want. You can, you know, practice, you can do this. If you don't have it, you don't have it. Right. And there's things that I can teach, but I can't teach that. 
I also think the nature of our work, like our portfolio, which is something I love is, is it's kind of all over the place. Like there's not really one defined look that we do. So having the input from a collaboration standpoint with all of these different women is so amazing. I also don't manage our projects in the same way. First of all, you don't want me managing the projects. Like it is a wonder anything got done when I was doing it by myself. So, cause I'm like a big picture person and like right. a creative, like, you know, so I think also hiring people that have the things that I don't like that little minutiae, you know, like all like the little things that you need to do because I don't want to lose creative control. Right. So instead of taking on more, we just charge more. Right. If that makes sense. Oh, that's interesting. So you're, you keep yourself at a certain like limit of bandwidth, but you're charging more. So I get, I like I think we're pickier about projects. Yeah. Um, we can't be everything to everyone. Correct. That's not business. That doesn't work. Yeah. So I think, you know, we have a certain, we have a very specific process, although our creative is very different for, and driven by the clients for each progress, for each project Our the business model, except for growth stays the same predominantly. And it allows us to manage our time properly, which I think is a huge complaint of this industry in general and it's something that I'm trying to, I'm always trying to navigate that piece of it so that our clients have, like I say to people, building your home, your dream home is like a first world privilege Yeah, and it should be enjoyable. Yeah. Like if you are so blessed in your life to have this opportunity to build your dream home, you should love doing it. Yeah. It should be something that's an amazing experience. And I think there's part of that that's lost in this business. Um, you know, based on, on feedback that, that I've heard from, from different companies. And that's part of it, part of something that's really important to me, the experience. Yeah. So speaking of the experience, you obviously have to be a really good people person and really good at navigating potentially difficult personalities in the potentially, (laughs) What do you, whatever do you mean? So, so speaking as someone like I have, I had an interior designer, the same person for both, well, one and a half homes, but you know, there were things that I was pissed about, you know, yeah. details, whatever. And I'm sure things she could complain about me. So how do you deal with people and continue to have like a, I'm sorry about that. Let me, what, you know, like, how have you done that because I'm not good at that. Like I'll do the, I'm sorry. And I should have, and I'll take responsibility, but inside I'm like, you stupid idiot. I want to punch you. I mean, I think like whenever we put a smiley face, like in an email, I think it kind of means that that's like our team thing. (laughs) Um, sorry to everyone that's ever gotten a smiley face. I think that I look at it this way because I've let you know, being younger, you look back and you like, I was with my therapist. We talked to my younger self, right? Like, let's, let's speak to her. And I would let things get to me to the point I'd make myself sick with stress. Do you know what I mean? Like somebody would be upset with something or they'd be rude to me or, you know, and now I look at it as, could I have done anything different to change the result of what happened? Yeah. And if the answer is no, I do not lose sleep over that. And somebody can be as upset as they want. But if I have done my job and my team has done their job to our best ability, if we have crossed our T's and dotted our I's, 
and somebody is still upset for something that was beyond our control that we're trying to help navigate for them. Sorry. Right. If somebody is upset for something legitimate that we have messed up, I will go heaven and earth to fix it for you. Yeah. But like, we also now just have a no asshole policy. Like I'm not, we are not saving lives over here. This is not life or death. When do you sniff out the asshole though? Like how far into the process? We do an intro call and sometimes like right away with the way that someone will speak to me or if they want me to justify why they need a designer. I'm like, dude, you're building a $10 million house. Like, do you really think that because you like went to Bloomingdale's and picked out sheets, you can build a house? Like what's wrong with you? So I'm done with doing that. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not justifying why you need one. I will happily argue why you need me. Yeah. And those are two different conversations. It's, you know, it doesn't happen often. I would say most of our clients are honestly great, like wonderful people. This is an emotional process. It's an emotional business. And like, I can't really think of any other situation where you are investing this much money emotionally. It is like, I have guys that trade all day long, millions. And it's like, it comes to their own house and it's where you're raising your children and what you're doing. And that's a different investment. So I can appreciate that sometimes things feel stressful, but there's a difference between being upset and being an asshole. Yeah. I Those are that. two different things, you know? So you're totally allowed to be upset, but like, let's be kind to one another and just take a breath. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you were going through divorce and decided you didn't want to marry for money, what, (laughs) besides that fuel, like how did you also figure out how to become, I know you mentioned Instagram, but are there other steps you feel like you took, you know, that made you, you said you don't have goals, but clearly you do because you're very successful. So like, how did you go from, I might have to marry for money. I don't want to, I have two (laughs) kids. I'm divorced unexpectedly to. I'm going to have a really successful business. I think I had no, I never went to business school. You know, like I have no background in this. I mean, I come from parents who are entrepreneurs. I'm surrounded by really strong women, which is a blessing. But I think I had no preconceived notions of how to do it. And there was no path that I had to go down in order to achieve. I think that not limiting myself to where do you want to be in five years and just looking at opportunities as they came to me, you know, like I didn't set out to be on a TV show. That wasn't a goal in my life at all. It was an opportunity that sort of came out of left field that I initially didn't want to do. Right. Um, that after like, you know, kind of going through it. And I had actually said no before this previously to other things because I didn't feel like they were authentic to me. I think really keeping holding to my like gut all the time, if it feels wrong, like we have a saying, we say it all the time. If it's not right, it's wrong. And it like goes for design, but it also goes for your gut. Like, you know, when something feels right and you know, when you're convincing yourself of something. Yeah. And I've tried to eliminate the convincing myself of something and just follow what feels right to me. And also sometimes I've had to lie. In what way? I've done this before. You know what I mean? Like when you're young, it's like you're- I lied all the time. Know, so I'm just curious I'm, what yeah, your lies like were. Let's just be, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I would say I'm older than I was. I would say 
I'd had more experience than I'd had. I'd say, you know, oh, I did a small job in the US. It's like, no, I didn't, you know, like, right. or like, this is, you know, just things that it's like fake it till you make it. And there's moments I still feel like I'm doing that. Yeah. Talking to you right now is literally one of those moments for me. I'm trying to keep a composure, but you're like a idol to me, you know, someone I respect <laughs> so tremendously. So even the fact that I'm having this conversation is one of those moments in life where I'm like, huh? You know? So, and I feel like you just kind of, you go with it. But yeah, lying sometimes you have yeah, to. Yeah. I, I lied a lot. It got me, it got me some good places lying. Yeah. Like your t-shirts. Yeah. When they smelled like cigarettes. Oh my God. But you so got terrible. them exploded. Trust me. I know a lot about you. I'm sorry. It's weird. Oh my God. Um, but you've put yourself out there. So, you know, these are, these are the episodes we listen to, but yeah. The only like- time that lying didn't work is in the early days of Uber, there was a snowstorm in Manhattan and I, we couldn't get an Uber. We couldn't get a cab, nothing. And it was like apocalyptic snow and a guy pulled up. He's like, Stephanie. And I'm like, yep, Stephanie. Yep. And we took yep. the ride and Stephanie was not happy about that. Let me yeah, just say that. I mean, I'm sorry, Stephanie. We'll give her a shout out. <laughs> Rebecca's going to give you a bag and I'll give you free design services if you're listening. Oh um, but yeah, you know, it's just, I think it's trial and error. I've had so many failures and like so many moments in life where I was like so down and out and thinking I'm never going to recover from this, both personally and professionally. But I think, I wouldn't change any of those failures because my successes wouldn't be what they are without them. Right. So tell me one of those failures. Give me, give me a good one, a juicy one that you feel like <sighs> you really didn't think you could bounce back from it personally or professionally. I mean, personally, obviously being a, I was so embarrassed when I got divorced. I know that's not an emotion that people will typically talk about. Um, you know, when it comes to that, because there's so many other emotions like sadness um, or, you know, vulnerability or fear. But I remember I had a friend who was in PR and I was like terrified on how I was going to tell people this, like, because I'm so type A and I want to be the best at everything. And this was like a real failure to me that this perfect life that I had envisioned not necessarily by my doing was going to be done like that, just finished. And I called her and she's her, her, like, think, you know, she took me really seriously. She's was, which was lovely. Um, but she said to me three, three positives, one negative. That's always how you tell people things. So, you know, I'm doing well. My kids are happy. The business has never been do it, never been better. And unfortunately, I'm going through a divorce. Like she said, with everything, whenever you're communicating something that's really challenging for you, or you're worried about how people are going to, and I know it sounds ridiculous to care what people think in that moment. It doesn't but sound it's ridiculous honest. at all. I mean, I mean, it's a very much a very big thing that you might think people would care you know? Yeah. And I mean, everyone's gossipy and, you know, all these things. And it's like, you know, you hear rumors about yourself or like, that's hard. Right. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the, the three positives and a negative, that's how, you know, I communicate. And I remember always thinking to my like three and I use it still, like, even if I'm talking to clients about something difficult, 
you know. Um, but Do you like, say the have, three positives first three and positives, then the negative? And then the negative. Okay. Okay. I'm going to stay. So that. it's like, okay, for example, we just had a $10,000 table that um, that we fucked up. Okay. Yeah. So we made it wrong. Yeah. And it, I can't blame anyone else. It was us. We put the measurements in wrong to our purchase order. Obviously, I need to deal with that, you know? So it's like, and like, I guess sometimes I'll reverse it. So in this particular instance, I did the, you know, the negative first. I said, bad news, your table's gonna, it's wrong and it's gonna take another eight months, you know, to, to make it or whatever. I said, I don't know, six months. If you've ordered things in the last five minutes, you know, things are just taking forever. But the good news is, I'm totally taking responsibility for it. I'm going to leave you with the existing table until you have your new one. And I'm going to pay for all of it. And I'm really sorry that this happened. Wow. And it's like, this shit happens. I run a great firm. We do great work, but everyone's human, you know? So if you're angry at that, I can't help you. Right, right. And were you angry at the person that messed up the measurements? And do they get, do they get to, (laughs) I mean, I wasn't thrilled, right? but I've done it too. Right. So I always say, I remember an old boss said to me, a mistake is something that happens once. Yeah. When it happens more than once, it's a problem. Ooh. So you've got good nuggets. I'm taking this advice. Yeah. It's a good one. So I get this person fucked this up once. It's a total mistake. It happens. You know, it was a busy time. Things were going on. If that happens again, we have a problem. Right. And typically, if you've ever made a mistake like that, I have. I ordered a king-size bed custom when it should have been a queen when I worked for someone else. The $5,000 mistake for my boss. I have never done that since. I'm like crazy about check. I mean, and I don't do that anymore. I don't do our purchase orders, but checking numbers yeah, is like, you know, so that's kind of how I think. And no, she, honestly, she was so upset. What am I going to say? Like, it just, right. You're not going to scold her. Right. Like, no, right. no, it's not. I'm not going to do that. Right. Unless she does it again. <laughs> then you have a problem. Then we have a problem. Then we have a problem. What would you say the TV show has done for you personally, professionally? Um, you know, do you feel like you have a loss of privacy? You're recognized everywhere you go. Like, talk to me about what that's done for your. Well, what's funny is it's aired and airing. Like, it's aired in the US, it's in India, it's in Vietnam, it's starting in Australia in January. It has not aired in Canada yet. Oh. So I'm, I mean, like, Canadians, I mean, because I, I think. I mean, hopefully at least, you know, from a design perspective, um, I'm a, I'm a known name here, but like, no, it's different. Whereas in the U S I don't know, that's, it's something interesting. They're not airing it till next, till this coming fall, which is crazy. Um, I think that it was one of those things that I was so scared to do, but it was like, you don't get an opportunity. Like they had come to me. And we're like, let's make a show. And I'm like, okay. You know, like you see a lot of design shows and it just didn't feel 
like something that would be authentic to the brand that I had been trying, like clawing to build. But then um, one of the executives at the time, Dan Pasquar came to me and he's like my angel and said, what if we make it your way? Wow. And what does that look like to you? Because I think that HGTV Canada is ready to shake shit up. And I was like, why do you want me? Yeah. I'm like, I was dying. I'm like, I'm like Studio McGee's like evil stepsister. You know, <laughs> like I like I'm so not HGTV. Like there's nothing about me that's like that. And he was like, that's the point. Right. We want to do something totally different. And I was like, you know, I met the the producer Karen. I met the production team, and I found we fell in love with each other. And we filmed for two years, which was wild because it's truthfully, I'm not supposed to say reality. I'm not supposed to say reality for like legal reasons. I don't know. I'm supposed to say it's authentic. That's the word I'm supposed to use. It's reality. Like, let's be honest. The only things in that show that are not based on reality. And again, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not. There was a couple different product placements, which is normal. Yeah. And also those products, people had asked to, to do products. And I said, no, because it didn't feel like going to like a big box store. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's just not what I do in my job. And like shopping for something for a client is not real for us. Right. Right. So I'm like, I'm not doing that. Right. So the products that were were in there are things that I love. It was like Nespresso and, you know, Volvo and, and great stuff, but everything else was totally rooted in our reality, our real clients, our real projects, my real struggles as an entrepreneur, you know, um, it was this like whirlwind of, of craziness. And at the end of the day, I think one of the biggest reasons I did it was that I have a team where 11 women and I only work with, I only hire women. I mean, it's yeah. just sort of organically happened that way, but that's where we're at. And it feels like, I don't know if you can relate to this, like a camp cabin sometimes in our office, you know, like it's just this beautiful, safe spot. Anyways, I have a real problem with the way groups of women specifically are portrayed in reality TV because they are very typically, and I'm not talking about individual women. There's a lot of individual women, women, you know, who are like, you know, look at Tracy Tudor or whatever, like in million dollar listing, she's fantastic. Um, yeah. but groups of women specifically, and they're combative and they're villains and, or they're just hot, you know, and we're not like that. Yeah. Like we're like the anti mean girl in the, I mean, we're Canadians so we're super nice, but so they wanted drama. That's but one that's- of the reasons I wanted to do right. it. There's enough drama in my business. We did not need, and I made it super clear. I'm like, if that's what you're looking for, you've come to the wrong place. Right. And, you know, I'm not never going to show that. That's not who I am as a human being. I'm raising two daughters and a son. Like, that's not the example. Um, and again, I'm not trying to knock anybody else, you know, do your thing. But um, my girls and I are so close and I genuinely love and respect them. I'm not going to be a different person on TV when it comes to that. Yeah. And I hope if nothing else, like, you know, there's an online thing. People don't like my voice. So there's been this like whole thing where it's like, 
that I, like this, like this thing on Instagram that I need to go to like a voice coach or something. It's like, okay, whatever. But it's funny because they're like, I hate your voice. It's terrible. But like, I really like your design. So I'm like, okay, well, at least my haters are like still giving me props for like, you know, being talented. That's I mean, good. they'll find anything. They'll find anything. Right. And when you expose yourself like that, like I, I'm in talks about a show and I'm going through all the machinations of once I go down this road, if I do it, the haters are going to come out and I just got to be ready for it because they're there. I think too, you have to choose whose opinion you value. Yeah. And it's like, for me, I've had the same best friend since I was little. You know, I have an incredibly supportive husband and family. I have a incredibly supportive ex-husband and sister wife, you know, now like I am surrounded by real people in my life. And those are the opinions I really care about. Yeah. Versus some idiot sitting behind a computer that's going to tell me I look old or fat or my voice is annoying. Right. And it does not, those things don't hurt. I, you're lying if you say you read something shitty about yourself and it doesn't hurt, but it's not what's important. Right. Right. You know, what's important is that I am fucking proud of the show because I think it's real. I think it's celebrating women in a positive way. I think it's funny and I really don't value anything that's not funny yeah. in life. Like yeah. you just have, you've got to laugh. Um, and I'm, I feel really proud of being, of doing it and being a part of it. And I hope that it's also just in this moment in life. I think it's something light and fun to watch. Yeah. So, I love you know, I'm, I'm proud of that. So tell my listeners, you know, if you could, as you said, you can't afford you. I can't afford you. Um, <laughs> you can't. Okay. <laughs> what I'll if you do it for you for free? I'll You'll be fine. It. What does someone do who can't afford an interior designer? Like where should they even start? You know, if they like this, I love Pinterest. I don't know how you feel about it. I use it as my launch point for most things. Yeah, I love it. I use it every day. It's like how we communicate design intent with one another, with clients. Like we always communicate visually. I think that's like the most important thing because what I think is modern and you think is modern is not, you know, it might be different. So always communicate visually. Um, I think that people, you start to go so far down the road and it becomes very overwhelming. You're like, I just bought a house and I have nothing. Instead, start at the very beginning. Do a floor plan of the room that you want to do. There's so many programs that you can use and start to play with real pieces in there. You'll figure out, don't even think about what your couch looks like. Don't even think about what your coffee table looks like. Who cares? We're not talking about that right now. What we're talking about is the size and scale of pieces that fit in the space and how you want to lay out the room. So if you like pink, great. I don't give a shit at this very moment, right? Let's figure that part out. Once you do that, you actually have a list in front of you of the exact size pieces that you need for that space. Yeah. I need a rug that's nine by 12. I need a sofa that's 80 by 40. You know, I need two tables. I need a lamp. You have this list. Yeah. And that takes things. That means, you know, you can, you can actually shop based on a list. You can develop a budget. My advice to people, if you're trying to do something from scratch and you may not execute right away, but try and choose everything together. It's like, if I say to you, like, can I wear this skirt tonight? You're going to be like, sure. But like, what's the top and what's right. the jewelry and what boots are you wearing? And do you have a red lip? Do you have a nude lip? Is your hair up? Is your hair down? Like, you know, there's so many, if you're styling someone 
if not just like one piece, right? right. And right. maybe the skirt that you started with ends up on the floor because yeah. all the other pieces for this particular evening look so much better. So that's the same approach that we actually take to interior design is trying for the most part to make holistic choices. And I think that that's incredibly helpful and takes away, if you just even make a an Excel list with pictures or, you know, um, a Pinterest board with, from different stores with pieces, here's the three sofas I like, here's the three tables I like, start to mix and match them. And then you also have an understanding of your budget. Yeah. Because once you buy something, you're stuck with it. Yeah. If you have a bit of $200 to get dressed and you spend $150 on your shoes, but you're wearing a bag, you know, you're going oh, naked. So, yeah. Right. So I take that as like the same principles with interior design because we have to think about money yeah. too. It's yeah. not just what we love. Right. I love that. So my last two questions, which I'm sure you're prepared for because you said you listen to all my episodes. Um, I do, but I don't prepare because I'm better on the fly. Okay, good. But I know what they are anyways, because I listen to all your podcasts. (laughs) So what is a piece of advice you haven't shared um, that you'd love to pass on um, either personally or someone gave to you? I think that the best thing that you can do is not ask too many people their opinion and instead trust your own more. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you ask people all around you what they think. And I'm not saying that advice isn't valuable, but most of the time, at least with me, I know in my heart what I think and I'm just looking for validation. Yeah. So it's like, instead of seeking that validation from other people, have the confidence to give it to yourself. I love that. I love that. I have a whole chapter in my book for that. Um, and what would we be surprised to know about you? I'm really messy. <gasps> no. Yeah, I know. How do you do that? I'm really? I'm so messy. Like if I even turn around my computer, like I'm so messy. Oh my God. That makes me feel a lot better. Cause I was, I'm not like, I got ready. My bathroom is like a legit toward. I'm not dirty. There's a difference. There's not yeah. like dirty plates everywhere, you know, whatever, but like my closet is insane. I have a real clothes problem, which I'm sure you can relate to. Um, my bathroom counter, any given moment, has like 500 things on it. I have a rule in design. This has helped me because I consider myself a type A minus, which is like I'm so type A. But if you like open drawers, they're like, it's like a tornado, you know? So it's like I need them to like kind of look clean, but they're like really chaotic inside. Um I put, I try and do in everyone's rooms enough storage that you can always clean up in 10 minutes and like open shelves are not clean up storage. You have to display those things nicely. So like in my family room under my fireplace, I have like six huge drawers. So when the kids have trashed with toys in 10 minutes, we can throw them not being like lining things up or, you know, whatever. So I try and do real life things in design that make it easier to be clean because I'm so messy. Oh, I love that. Okay. That's great. 10 minute rule. You got it. And not like scrub your toilet in 10 minutes. Like I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like all the shit that's everywhere that's stressing you out and people are coming over and you like yeah. just got home from work. And you mean, you know, you've got four kids. Like I have three. It's, it's craziness sometimes. Right. Yeah. So you need to be able to clean up in 10 minutes. Do you find yourself constantly wanting to renovate your own 
place or you're just, Oh my God, that's a whole other podcast interview. Like I (laughs) want to build a house. I want to do this. I'm like, can't even, I'm the worst client for myself. I'm like, I, it's like shoemaker shoes. I was like just about my to bathtub has been broken for two years. Oh my God. And my guys are begging me to come fix it. It's not like nobody wants to come. I'm like, Ugh, I'll do it later. Oh like God. I can't, I just don't have the bandwidth. I you know, it. I just painted my bedroom. That was exciting. But like, no, I, I like have a list of 4 million things. There's a rug that I'm obsessed with that's been sitting downstairs in the office for two weeks that I just have not put in my car to bring home. Like that's all I have to do. I'm the same I just have to put it in the car. I'm the same. Okay, way. but it's like you know, I don't know. I, don't I, know, I feel you. I have, I have, I have. I never finish certain rooms, and I have things that bags that sit in boxes forever. And then a year later, I'm like, oh, I love that bag. I really wanted to wear that when I got it. P.S. I had a really cool idea for a bag. So when this is done, I want to talk to you about it. And this, my friends, is how you use opportunities. Ooh, I like it. I wish we could share it publicly, but maybe we will. Um, maybe we will. So where can people follow you, find you, support you? When are you coming to the next retailer with your product line? Yeah, I, um, I'm House of Ali. You can watch in the US on Hulu. It's like followed by the Kardashians, but not, but like, that's like kind of how I lead up. Um, Ali Bud Interiors is our Instagram and I post tons of stuff there. It's, I run the Instagram, um, nobody else. So that's a full-time job too. Um, but it would never feel authentic if it wasn't me. So when, what you're seeing is actually me and, and my team and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, House of Ali will be on HGTV Canada coming in the new year on Foxtel in Australia coming in January. Um, and yeah, I, I'm excited hopefully to film a season two and just to see what opportunities 2024 has in store. I love it. Maybe it's doing something with you. We'll see. Hey, hey, you know, I'm not allowed to buy any more houses, but please. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much thank you. for coming on and for also being a really proud Jewish woman. There are a few of us. I am a really proud Jewish it. woman. I'm wearing a Star of David. The first night of Hanukkah, which yep. by the way is not a political holiday. Are people saying it's I, a political holiday? Stop people it. People are not doing menorah lightings. Right. So, anyways, it is a really challenging time in this world. I love all people. I want peace and love for everyone. Um, and I think we need more voices to that effect. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about sharing online and is it hateful or helpful? And I think I'm hoping, and if you don't listen to anything else in this podcast, if you're going to share something, please think of that. Is it hateful or helpful? And how does it actually move us forward? Because everything that's happening is just causing divisiveness. And what I'm seeing is very scary. So I'm, I'm hoping that more people choose to share how we can actually move through this and come together versus what tears us apart. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get into this either. Don't be sorry. I know we, I know we both feel the same. There's a really great campaign that my friend Aliza Lick just launched called break the hate. So I follow her because I listen to her on the podcast. Okay. 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 I've saw, I've seen that and my makeup's done today. So I was thinking of filming it after I'm filming mine today too. There you go. There you go. There you go. So let's break the hate. Let's try. 
It's all we can do, right? I know. Well, if you're listening, you can also break the hate, film a video showing yourself breaking the hate or speak up, stand up and don't be silent. Yeah, that's it. Thank you so much. This was so nice. Thank you. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.